You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Following a gutsy 31-23 victory over Southern Illinois last week, Kansas State plays host to unbeaten and 2-0 Nevada at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The game kicks off at 1 p.m. will be shown on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. And on the commentating team for ESPN will be former Kansas State offensive lineman Barrett Brooks as the analyst. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and we are proud to be sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast podcast. Yes, Kansas State escaped last Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium with that eight-point victory over Southern Illinois. And in the process, in the first quarter, quarterback Skylar Thompson went down with what appeared to be a severe knee injury. Now, that may not be the case, but only time can tell on that. Today, though, we're focused on K-State and Nevada, which meet at 1 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And now let's bring in our recruiting analyst, and he helps out with team coverage at GoPowerCat.com, Ryan Wallace. Wally, let's dive right in here. When Skylar Thompson went down, it looked severe. Now, all indications were it was an ACL. They were treating it like an ACL. He was able to walk off with some help like it was an ACL. And lo and behold, it has turned out to be less than what initially thought, a slight tear, maybe even just a sprain. I feel like Chris Kleiman prayed hard enough to make this happen. I, I'm shocked by this development. Absolutely stunned. Well, I mean, it's huge for K-State because I, I just feel like you could see from the minute that he went down and didn't get up um, last Saturday, you could just sense that it permeated throughout the, the roster and not just the offense. I mean, Fitz, it was obvious that this defense was really shaken up by that. Um, to have a leader that you know not only has just been um, – you know, so vocal and, and again, just such a good charismatic leader throughout the course of his career. But I think everyone, um, especially the players understand what an inspiration he's been to bounce back from that injury last year and make the sacrifice to come back and be a college student. Cause that's kind of what people forget. You know, everybody says, Oh, it's easy to come back when, you know, you're going to be the starter, but right. it's not always the easiest decision to come back and, and willingly put yourself back in the classroom with tests and homework and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I just think that it was um, a, a major blow to K-State that I think now that we know that it's not going to be season ending, it, it does give this team a little bit more pet back in their step. It does. It's really important for Skylar Thompson to be on the field. And it's not just as a player. He is symbolic of the program. And I feel like he unites the locker room. And you got to 
fear if you enter the realm of quarterback controversy, if Will Howard doesn't play well and people are screaming for a backup, that that could get into the locker room and divide the team. And that's a bad case scenario if you're trying to have a big season. No, and I mean, we've seen it before under Bill Snyder where that same exact scenario has played out and it has not worked well for K-State. Everybody remembers, you know, Daniel Sams and Jake Waters from, what was that, 2013 and how much that divided the locker room and, you know, players taking sides of who they feel is better for the offense or who they like better as a person and yada, yada. And I mean, but even beyond that, um, you know, Joe Hubner and Cody Cook, Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton. It very rarely works uh, out successfully for a head coach. So yeah, for, for Chris Kleiman's sake, the best thing that can happen over the course of these next couple weeks is that one, if not two of these guys kind of step up, but you know, if it's going to be two, you almost hope that you can try and balance it and not create a, a competition, but more just say, Hey, we're going to use you both. You're both, you, you both can be assets to yeah. this offense. Well, we're uncertain about the timetable for Skylar Thompson. We're confident he'll be back at some point. But we do know that Will Howard's timetable is start at quarterback on Saturday for Kansas State against Nevada. How does that change K-State's offense? Uh, I would think, especially watching Will on Saturday night against Southern Illinois, uh, the way that maybe he was reading some things and some of his passes, I would think that it would make Chris Kleiman and Courtney Messingham go to a more run heavy approach. And to be honest, they might've done that anyway, even if it were Skylar Thompson, because as they say, sometimes when you go against an offense like Nevada, you know, your best defense is your offense and keeping Carson strong and company off the field. But I think no doubt in my mind now, um, you know, with Will Howard under center, seeing the fruits of that uh, diamond formation, if you want to call it that, with Jacardier Wright, Joe Irvin, Jackson Dean, Deuce Vaughn, whoever's in it, I think seeing the fruits of that come out on Saturday night against Southern Illinois is more reason to run it, but even more with Will Howard, who proved himself to be a very capable scrambling running back or quarterback last season. I'm just fascinated by how they're going to go about this because – They obviously lost confidence in Will Howard. They went to the running game, and it worked. But Nevada also knows that. that That's probably the likely scenario. K-State's going to try to line up and run. We've focused in the preseason so much on how K-State's going to stop Nevada's offense with Carson Strong. I've reversed course now. I'm intrigued to see what Nevada does with K-State. We know K-State's going to run the three-man front. This guy and other quarterbacks K-State sees in the Big 12 are exactly why they put in the three-three-five. It's for these offenses. So we know what K-State's going to do. Now I'm just fascinated by Nevada and how they're going to approach this. They're just going to stuff the line of scrimmage, run blitz, blitz whenever they can, just try to create utter chaos for a young quarterback to try to manage. I would imagine that it will be a lot of heavy pressure for Will Howard. Um, and and it, like I said, it might have been the same way even for Skylar Thompson, just because if there's a weakness to Nevada, um, it's in the run defense. Um, they are run a four two five. They're built around a lot of undersized, skillful, speedy defensive backs um, that you know, have shown already this season, particularly against Cal, that they're sometimes not the best at tackling in space. And so I think the way that they would like to alleviate that situation is, you know, like you said, load the box and and try and not 
make guys try and tackle Deuce Vaughn in space. And so I would imagine that that's what we're going to see on Saturday. But you're right. That storyline in and of itself is very intriguing to me, too, because and I pointed this out on Twitter earlier in the week. Brian Ward um, is a former North Dakota state assistant that actually, when he left to go be the defensive coordinator at Drake, it opened the door for Chris Kleiman to join Craig Bowles staff. And lo and behold, several years later, Brian Ward gets hired at Syracuse and who's working under him, Steve Stannard. And when Brian Ward gets fired at Syracuse, who takes over for Brian Ward as defensive coordinator for the last three games in 2019, Steve Stannard. So there's a lot of familiarity as far as K-State's offense going against uh, Brian Ward's defense, but um, they have to be aggressive. They have to be bigger and stronger um, against, albeit, you know, Nevada's weak point, which again is their run defense. It's amazing how this is almost like a non-conference schedule of reunions for Chris Kleiman. Yeah. You know, he was best friends with the Stanford offensive coordinator. Then they play a team from the Missouri Valley, his old conference, and a head coach he's gone up against in that conference. And now we've got another overlap. It's really kind of strange. But I'm excited about this game because of the unknowns. And I think we both agreed. At the start of the season, we looked at Nevada and thought, this might be the best team on the non-conference schedule. And now – even though I watched Stanford dismantle USC, which is hard to explain, I still believe it. This is the biggest challenge, maybe not the best team, biggest challenge K-State has on its non-conference schedule. Well, and I just we mentioned how Stanford was kind of going to be a temperature gauge or a measuring stick, if you will, um, for K-State. And I think this might even be a, a better one. There were concerns and, and just the mystery around the, how successful that 335 was going to be. And it's proven to be very successful in a very short amount of time. But this is where it kind of gets its true test is against a team that's going to go four and five wide um, and, and really put some guys on islands and make you be assignment sound. You know, I think of uh, the Jack safety, TJ Smith kind of playing that center field is going to be relied upon heavily. I think your your defensive ends um, are going to be relied upon heavily because, again, Nevada, they want to make you – they want to keep you honest with their running game, and they've kind of got a little bowling ball back there that um, they can really, you know, churn some yards if you're not careful. So I, I'm interested to see how the 3-3-5 will, will handle this in kind of its first true test. And I would imagine, as we heard a little bit from Coach Kleiman and Coach Klanderman uh, this week about – disguising some things that maybe there's some stuff out of this three, three, five alignment that they haven't really shown yet. And I would imagine fits that in the first quarter, it's going to be a lot of kind of feeling each other out, seeing what guys can go kind of one-on-one against each other who needs some help here and there. And then I would imagine Joe Klanderman from a defensive side and an offensive side, uh, Matt mummy on Nevada's end are just going to throw the kitchen sink out there. I think you're going to have all sorts of disguises and pressures and coverages and clouds and, uh, you know, all sorts of lingo is going to get thrown around because I, I really think it's going to be feeling each other out and then, all right, let's throw some haymakers at one another. Their leading running back to a Toa is uh, almost like a changeup for a mm-hmm. pitcher. They don't use him often. In fact, he's their leading rusher with only 19 carries, so fewer than 10 a game through their first two. But he does average 7.4. Plus, just showing how committed they are to the pass, they're almost 2-1 to one pass to run. Carson Strong is at 68% completion, which is eye 
eye popping. That gets your attention pretty good. Six TDs, one interception. They're going to spread the field and try to work this defense. And this is going to be the first significant test for this three three five. And I I just I want to see if this back end of the defense holds up because this is what they're going to see a lot of in the Big Twelve. No doubt. And you know it's it's interesting. Um, I actually sought out. Um, picking a number of people's brains this week about, you know, stopping the air raid and people that have gone against Nevada. I actually sought out um, and picked the brain of Mike Cox, hmm. um, who, of course, was a former uh, linebackers coach under Bill Snyder, um, joined Dana Dimmel down at UTEP and is actually now um, has since left his defensive coordinator position and is retired in Manhattan, um, enjoying kind of watching college football. And Believe it or not, as bad as UTEP has been under Dana Timmel, they actually gave Nevada a run for their money in 2019. And and I'm talking to Coach Cox, who was the defense coordinator at the time. You know, he alluded to the fact they've got great size, great skill at receiver. Um, you know, Dubs is a is a guy that you know K State might want to think about double covering. In fact, Todd Graham at Hawaii last year, they just decided they were going to double cover Dobbs and let everybody else do their thing. Nevada ended up running for a substantial amount of yards compared to what they normally do, but they limited the big play and Hawaii ended up winning. But coach Cox mentioned that that the offensive line might be their weak spot. And so that if K-State can disguise some things and mix up their coverages to keep Carson strong, kind of guessing and get the ball out of his hands quickly, that the three, three, five is the ideal package to go against an air raid offense. And again, it's an air raid offense that really, it's not like K-State hasn't seen it before. Um, it's going to be a lot of the Mike Leach, what they call mesh, the the kind of crossing patterns underneath. And that's where they get Cole Turner, their tight end, um, open so often. And he's a guy that I'm very interested to see what K-State decides to do. Do you do you bring Jerron McPherson up and, and you know, kind of go athlete on athlete with him? Or do you try and put more of a physical body on him at the line of scrimmage and and maybe that's Cody Fletcher or Ryan Hennington that doesn't cover as well. You could go Wayne Jones, who's technically a linebacker that has some safety background, and he'll cover a little bit better. But again, you're you're giving up some height. So on and on and on. I mean, I could go round and round in circles and, and talk about hypotheticals and, and stuff, different scenarios. But I just really thought it was interesting listening to Mike Cox this week talk about how, you know what, the three three five is the ideal scenario. If you kind of can draw it up right, keep them on their heels, and and that puts a lot of pressure on Chris Kleiman and Joe Klanderman to to make the right changes when necessary against Carson Strong to not let this up tempo offense get in a rhythm. Well, it's it's very interesting to look through their roster, um, their starting receivers. You just mentioned Dobbs at six two two hundred, another receiver. Cooks six four two fifteen. They've got a slot guy at five nine. Tight end Cole Turner, their leading receiver, pass catcher so far this year, six six two forty. It's going to be a matchup issue for the secondary. Well, we saw last year uh, against some sizable foes in Arkansas State. Um, the bad side of, of K-State secondary. Now things have been shored up. Um, Chris Kleiman's taking a liking to them over the off season. Um, obviously the three, three, five is designed to help them a little bit more. And you bring in a guy like Julius Brents. Um, that's about six, two or six, three with just incredible, incredible wingspan. Um, we haven't seen him test a whole lot through the air. I, I think this is a, a major coming out party opportunity for him on Saturday. But again, maybe this is where, 
having the length of Echo Boydo, maybe we see a little bit more of Justin Gardner on Saturday, again, to kind of couple with the size issues that Nevada is going to throw out there because it, again, it, it just didn't really go the way of the Wildcats against Arkansas state, how much the three, three, five impacts that versus how much K state has confidence in maybe allowing a Brents and a Gardner to go one-on-one with their size. Um, again, one of those things that will be, you know, felt out in the first quarter and, and go from there. I I'm fired up for this game, Ollie. I, I think Will Howard's going to bounce back. I I don't think he's to the point of his career where he's going to be terrific. He's going to take over a game. But I think he'll be more solid because he'll be prepared mentally. I feel like his problem on last Saturday was he wasn't as mentally prepared as a backup quarterback needs to be. It was almost like he was shell-shocked that in the first quarter of the second game of the season it happened again, and now you're thrown in to play again in front of the biggest crowd you've ever seen in your life in terms of on the field. And I just don't think he handled it well, which is troubling in itself. But if it's more mental than physical, it's more correctable for me. I I do think it's a little troubling um, just in the sense of it seemed as though from an outsider's perspective um, that the game hadn't slowed down as much for Will as you would expect from someone that played the amount of games that he did last season. Um, But in saying that, I think you're spot on in the fact that there's something to be said about having to, uh, you know, relax yourself through warmups and then at the snap of a finger, uh, get warm. You're going in <laughs> as opposed to, he has an entire week now of preparation where he knows he's the guy coaches are talking to him specifically about the game plan. And I think that that will benefit will Howard now, you know, how much he capitalizes on it to what degree we'll have to see on Saturday afternoon. But, um, I, I think, by and large, I think K-State has what it takes to pull this one out. I think it's going to be competitive, um, but K-State has a knack for kind of being memorable and, and finding ways to win big games in week three. Let me let me go back in time for a second, Fitz, and see if you how many of these recent ones, just recent in week three that you recall. At Mississippi State, how about Louisiana Tech, the double overtime game, and maybe a goal line stop against Miami? <laughs> All of those were week three. So there's there's something about K-State in week three and mm. games that are, you know, circled on the calendar. They show up. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a blowout, but I think K-State has the game plan and, and the athletes at, at hand um, to give Nebraska, uh, Nebraska, to give Nevada, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a good a good run here on Saturday on Fort Riley Day. Yeah, I mean, come on. We're playing a real team here, not Nebraska. <laughs> Um, Nevada opened with a win at Cal 22-17. Pretty entertaining game. We saw Cal then go to TCU and give the Frogs all they wanted to know. Maybe that gives a little context to this team. Then they went home and opened their home schedule against Idaho State, winning 49-10. Wasn't much of a matchup. They've got this game. Then they take a week off, and then they go to Boise State, and they're into that Mountain West schedule, and it gets very interesting for the Wolfpack. I don't know, Wally. I just I feel an immensity about this game that I felt with Stanford. I thought that was a huge game for the program. And here I am again. I kind of feel the same way. I feel like this game will lay the pathway for what happens later in the season. Even though I'm a big believer in every week self-contained, you can't lose this one and open Big 12 play with the three teams you have on your schedule. It's just going to be brutal. You know, in a weird way, it might not be the end of the world 
if K-State maybe doesn't come out firing on all cylinders, obviously that's the best case scenario and, and make Nevada play from behind. But at the same time, this is a Nevada offense that's, that's built to come from behind. They're built to score quickly. And so I almost wonder sometimes if, if Nevada were, if K-State were to find itself down a little bit, similar to what we saw last week against Southern Illinois, um, you know, again, a lot of it relies on, you know, what the offense is doing for K-State. And if, does Will Howard have what it takes to lead a come from behind victory? But again, Nevada is not, they're not known for grounding and pounding it. Um, so as far as, you know, controlling the clock and things like that, um, that's not really what they're built for. And so I, I wonder how they would play with a lead um, in a power five stadium on the road up until they beat Cal this year. I want, I believe they were Owen seven in their last uh, seven road contests against uh, power five mm-hmm. opponents. Um, so I, I think this is definitely out of their comfort zone. Um, there's a lot of guys on that roster that are from California. So I think that game meant a little something to them um, with Boise state looming and an off week up ahead, you know, is this the same intensity and is this the same stage for Nevada as it is for K state? That's another reason why I'm starting to lean more towards the Wildcats is as much as they would like to beat a big 12 foe, uh, you know, how much does it really mean to Nevada? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. Let's wrap this up with kind of a off pace question here. Conference expansion just happened. The big 12 added BYU, a former Mountain West team, someone that Nevada's seen in the past, someone in their neighborhood, Utah and Nevada. Does a team from the Mountain West like Nevada, who's got a pretty good athletic program, they're on a little bit of a roll with their football program. Do they feel like this is an audition maybe for another round of Big 12 expansion? Well, and and yeah, and that plays against the the topic that I was just talking about is this could be uh, a great opportunity for the school. Cause you look at Nevada, um, Nevada basketball has been strong for a while. And Jay Norvell now has the football team clicking um, potentially with a possible number one pick at least sounds like for sure a, a first round NFL draft pick in Carson strong this next spring. Um, I think they do feel a little bit slighted that you see UNLV and San Diego state Boise state getting a lot of love. And, you know, here's little old Nevada Reno, you know, the, the state school, not getting as much attention. Mm. This would definitely put them on the map. Um, now again, there's a lot more that goes into expansion from facilities and financial standpoint that, um, who knows, you know, Nevada could go, it's 12 and oh this season and it might not matter to expansion but um certainly from a football standpoint the this is enormous this is absolutely enormous not just for the mountain west but i just think nevada in general i mean here's unlv about to kind of dawn a new era with their new coach and they get to play in the the new raiders facility um so this this is a great chance for nevada to even just kind of get back a chunk of the the in-state recruiting that maybe they've been lacking lately. If the Big 12 goes west, if the Pac-12 teams aren't on the agenda and available, Nevada, San Diego State, UNLV, who else here? Boise, Colorado State, all would be possible targets for Big 12 expansion, but that is down the road. All we're worried about right now is Saturday at 1 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Uh, Wally, does K-State win this game? 
I think they do. And uh, I think, you know, typically Nevada doesn't fare well in low scoring games. I want to say 22 is kind of the magic number that you want to hold them under. I don't know if K-State's going to be able to do that. Maybe they can, maybe they won't. I feel like Nevada might get, you know, upwards of 25 or or over, but I I do feel like K-State's going to nip them um, probably by only a touchdown, but uh, I think K-State can do it. Very good. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers football recruiting for us and helps out with team coverage because he's really good at it at Go Cat. And after the break, we will bring in our football analyst, Brian Hanley, to give us the player's perspective on K-State versus Nevada at Bill Snyder Family Stadium on Saturday afternoon. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and this is the Cat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. We're up and running. We've spoken with Ryan Wallace of GoPowerCat.com. And now waiting on the line is Brian Hanley, a former Kansas State football player on those 97 and 98 fantastic Kansas State teams. And we will talk to him about the impact of having a teammate go down the way Skylar Thompson did. But we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our football analyst from down in Texas, the one and only Brian Hanley. Good day, sir. I'm wondering Hello. Uh, I'm wondering if I can get your feelings as a former player. I don't know if you ever went through what appeared to be a catastrophic injury to a teammate that kind of halted play. How does that impact a team? Um I, I I mean we had ACLs, you know, obviously. Um but nothing where it seemed like no nothing where somebody was down on the field for for a while. Nothing where everybody took a knee like they did on Saturday. I mean, it was it was nothing like that. You know, uh, I haven't experienced it, but I've seen it on TV. And to look at it, it just I mean, it's it can just be deflating, especially when it's your leader. You know, it just it can deflate a football team. Now you can rally. Don't get me wrong. You can rally and have some good play, but it just sucked the the life out of the entire stadium. And it can do that to a football team, you know, just seeing your guy go down, especially knowing how hard they work 
and then to see it happen again, it's just deflating, just deflating. Now, luckily, we're hearing it's going to be one to three weeks, maybe four weeks. You know, at the upper end of that means you'll be back for Iowa State after the off week, but there's a chance of an earlier return. It's incredible, and I'm I'm wondering – I've seen this before when a kid's been injured and then something seems to aggravate again, you kind of overreact. And I'm I'm wondering if Skyler just thought, here we go again. And it was the worst case scenario in his brain. I don't know. It, it looked really bad, but it turns out it might be as little as a sprain. Well, those, you know, those non-contact injuries, anytime, I mean, it it seems like every time you turn up now, somebody's getting hurt on non-contact injury and it's their ACL and they're finished. Yeah. So I I don't blame them for thinking the worst because, I mean, you know, it just, he didn't get hit. It didn't look, I mean, he wasn't like planting and running different or trying to, I mean, he was trying to change direction, but I mean, it was just those non-contact injuries. uh, It just, those seem to always be the worst ones because nothing hit and you can't move and your, your knee gives out and you're like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. And I'm sure that's what went through his mind. And again, I know he's older, he's a six-year guy, but the guy, he's still he's still a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope he bounces back as soon as possible. But they, the Wildcats are playing without Skylar Thompson in this game due to that knee injury. Will Howard takes the helm again. And Brian, he did nothing to bolster anyone's faith in him with his performance last Saturday. But I don't buy into that defines him as a quarterback, as a lot of people honestly seem to be overreacting to. I I get the overreaction. You know, I, I, I do see that because he didn't play great last year as a freshman. I mean, he had spots and then he's supposed to be better. And that's what we've heard. And then he came out. And he didn't play well. Now, a lot of that, you're not prepared. You, you, you know, he could look up to Skylar big time. And all of a sudden the guy that you're looking up to gets hurt. I mean, that cause that, I mean, that can do something to your psyche, you know, and he just needs a, a week. He just has to go out there but and play better. I mean, he played, he played bad. I'm not here to criticize kids like that. He didn't have a good game, but at the same time, it wasn't, it doesn't mean because you have a, a bad three quarters of football means that that defines you as a player forever. I mean, he yeah. can get better, you know, week of practice, the kid can get better. Just getting out there and knowing you're going to be the guy sometimes sparks you to play better and to practice better. So let's give him a chance and we'll go from there. So I've asked you a question about being a former player. Now I'm going to ask you, if you were the offensive coordinator, how would you approach this offensive game plan against Nevada uh, with a – that? and Nevada honestly has a terrific quarterback, Carson Strong. Correct. Some people are projecting him number one. I don't know about that. But um, you know you're going to need to put up some points probably unless the defense yep. is just stellar. How do you approach this as an offensive coordinator to give your team the best chance to win? Got to run the football. Yeah. Uh, you gotta gotta run the football and play action stuff. Run the football well. You know, get in the offensive line and say, "This is your game, guys. This is your game," and let them make them understand that we are going to run the football. We're going to put you in a position to succeed. Just run it. 
run it. Keep them off balance, too. Like I said, play action on first down after you've been running it well. You know, just to keep them off balance because time of possession is going to be everything because Nevada throws that football, and they can throw it around. They got some speed. They, they, they can do that. They can put up points. So we need to control the clock, which we did a great job of that in the second half last week. We need to continue to be able to run the football. If, if you're Nevada, do you come after a young quarterback or do you sit back, make his coverage hard to read, make the coverage hard to read, and wait for him to make a mistake? Well, I think what they're going to do is probably mix it up because they're going to bring a ton of pressure. And then there's going to be times when they're not going to bring a ton of pressure and just back out and make coverage. They're going to try to confuse it. And that's, that's what they're going to do. Well, I shouldn't say that's what they're going to do. That's what they should do. I mean, is try to confuse them, bring a ton of pressure, then don't bring a ton of pressure and mix it up, you know, and see, even on rundowns, bring pressure and see if he's has the ability to check. And it's, it's going to be a, an interesting game plan for them because and see what they do, because again, we can run the football. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. If, if I'm Nevada, I'm, I'm mixing everything up, every other play. I'm changing what we do, pressure, not pressure, and see if he can make the checks right. to beat us. So I, I would probably, if I'm Nevada, uh, press the line of scrimmage, put a lot of guys in the box, back them out. Yep. Um, you know, right before the snap. Yep. Okay, yep. offensive coordinator, how are you con- counteracting that when they're essentially saying, look, uh, we're going to take away the run now since that's what you want to do and we're even going to run blitz you? That's right. That's exactly right. And that's, that's, they're going to mix it up. They're going to do all of that. And especially on the early rundowns, Tim, they're going to say, no, you're not going to run it. You're, you're literally not going to run the football. I mean, they'll put nine guys up there if they can and say, you're not running this football on this rundown. You're going to have to throw it. And we're just going to have to be able to beat that. So hopefully that we work on that. And, and then you can still run some things, even when they have a ton of people up there. Tim, is that people think that you, Hey, you're not running the, the ball. If you get three or four yards on first down, you're doing okay. Yeah. You don't have to get nine or 10 yards every play. Three or four yards on first down, you're, you're doing fine. So if we can just continue to do that and not get the negative plays, you know, or the no yardage plays, that's when you get behind the sticks. And that's what makes it really difficult for, especially for a young quarterback, because then they can do anything to you. We need to dictate to them versus them dictating to us. I know what Bill Snyder would have done in this situation. He would throw that pass out into the flat, the kind of little bubble screen out to the sideline, and run it and run it and run it until it breaks because it will eventually break. You put guys in space, you tell them to make a tackle, eventually the the ball carrier, the receiver is going to win that. I will be intrigued to see how Courtney Messingham handles this because we we were both very familiar with how Bill Snyder did things. That's what Coach would have done. It would have been monotonous and mundane and frustrating for fans, but eventually it either it's going to pop off and get some big – yards and force them to get out of that uh, that alignment uh, or they're just going to you know gamble that you're not going to break the big one but I think K-State's got the players out there in Brooks and Knowles that they can make a guy miss they show it on returns and, and get that into the open field but I will be intrigued to see how Courtney Messingham addresses this 
Well, that's the thing is running the football, trying to protect, protect your, your young quarterback. You can't forget about the weapons that you have. So you got to get the ball in their hands, whether reverses, bubble screens, whatever the case may be, you still have to use the weapons that you have. And those are weapons. Those are guys that just like you said, those are guys that can make a guy miss. And that's all it takes. Just make it one guy miss. You get out in space. So bubble screens, hitches, all those things. Uh, and even taking a deep shot, you know, line up on first down from your 30 yard line and play action and just, Hey, you know what? We're going to throw it deep and see if you can cover the guys yeah. and just take a chance. You know, I'm not, cause I'm not a guy that's opposed to, Hey, you know what? We're on a 30, 35 yard line. Just throw it as far as you can and see if we can get it. And if they pick it off down there, they do now, granted you in certain situations, you want to do that every play, but you know, just to keep them honest and say, you know what? We're going to throw the ball deep, so you better be back there to cover it. Little Max protect like Keenan Garber try to beat yes. you with speed. Will's got That's the arm right. to get it out there. Uh, yep, stretching the field vertically can do something to defense, but it also stretching that field horizontally from sideline to sideline. Uh, yes. If, if you feel like you have an advantage in team speed, uh, I suspect that's what Messingham will do, and you know, just try to maybe pitch the ball out, get to the get to the fringe of the defense as quickly as possible with Deuce or Joe Irvin. But I also think Brian, we might see that uh, inverted diamond, the diamond formation, however you want to say it, uh, against Nevada. I feel like uh, that's something they're going to have to commit to and run it. What's your thoughts about yep. that formation? Love it. Love every part of it. The three good running backs back there, quarterback back there that's capable of running. I absolutely love it because there's so many things that you can do off of it. Right. You know, it's, it's you know, you can run an option if you want to. You can run, you know, a crossbook handoff. You can go downhill. You can do a revert. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do. It just, you know, it, it's, and it's confusing. I mean, you can get linebackers running all over the place, you know, and then you could just literally just, just take all of that and then throw it. Yep. You know, so I love the formation. I love keeping people off balance. You know, it's just, it's the way that you have to move the football these days. Everybody can't just line up and run it down. And teams don't. You can't just line up and just run it down somebody's throat straight ahead these days. You just can't do that. You know, the athletes are too good for that these days. You got to trick people. I spoke to Brian Wallace earlier in the podcast about this, but. This strikes me as a time when you can't be saving things for the future. If Skyler no. truly could be back next week at Oklahoma State and at the worst be back for Iowa State, winning this game means you're going to be at least four and two at, well, four, excuse me, three and two at that point. And coaches now just like to save things. And I see, it was such a Snyder thing, but I see Kleiman doing it too. There's a lot more that formation can do then do it. This is a, yeah. for me, Brian Hanley, this is a really critical game, not just for the season, but for the program. You, yep. you, you, you got to get a breakthrough season and you're in a position right now to get that done. I say, open it up and use what you got to use and then hope you get Skylar back sooner rather than later. Well, here's the thing. And I, I feel kind of the same way to is that you can't, first of all, Oh, well, we want to save it so we don't want them to see it. Well, it's almost like you're saying, well, as an offensive mind, you stop 
putting things in because you don't want to show somebody. It's okay to continue to evolve as the season goes on as well as an offensive play caller. You can put things in and change things as well, things that they still haven't seen. You know, it's okay to evolve. And it's I, I kind of feel like when teams do that, it's like, well, hey, okay, this is it. This is all we got, and we're not going to evolve. We're not going to change. We're not going to put anything new in. Well, you have to put new things in every week. I mean, that's how this works. I mean, you can't just, okay, this is it. I mean, the guys are too smart. They study too much film. You know, you got to continue to put new things out there. That's how you win football games. You got to continue to evolve. So I'm with you. Put it all out there. Run what you run, you know, and don't hold back. And if you need some new tricks, then put in new tricks the next week. That's how this thing works. Exactly. You know, as coaches have gotten conservative, I almost now admire the guys that are like, well, we're going to do a bunch of stuff in these early games and – yeah, we might be showing it, but we're also making you prepare for it. Yes. Bill Snyder used to do that in 1.0. When 2.0 came around, he got so conservative he would never call anything because he didn't want to right. put it on film. Put it on film. Uh, run that right. fake field goal like Bill Snyder used to do. Run that yep. weird offensive play that messes with the defense, You know, whether it's a hook and ladder or whatever. Run it. Put it on yep. film. Make them be aware of it and have it in their mind as one more thing on their preparation checklist for Kansas State. I absolutely am 1,000% in favor of that run it. I remember, you know, back when I played back in, you know, the the golden age of football, <laughs> way back when we used to run that stuff in early day or in the early season. And then all of a sudden it would be a play against Oklahoma state. It would just come up and I'm like, man, we haven't run this in two months, but you know, coach Snyder, there was a reason that we ran it then and we're running it now. I'm like, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it because it's like, man, we're digging into the playbook today. I'm like, I like it. And it gets you fired up as a player because you know that, hey, at any time we could run any of this stuff. And we just, it's just what you said. You got to put it on film, make them prepare for it. I mean, there's only so much in college, there's only so much time you can prepare. So, you know, put it out there and, and then run it and, and run other stuff off of it. Just keep evolving, keep evolving. Well, Carson Strong is the real deal. So far this season, he's completed 56 of 82 for 693 yards, six touchdowns, one pick. If you were the defensive coordinator, how do you go about getting after a traditional, he's a little bit mobile, but, you know, pocket passer that wants to spread you out and is what K-State's done on defense with the three-man front a perfect alignment to maybe slow down a guy like Carson Strong? Well, that's literally what I was going to come to is that this is going to be a big week for our three-down line defense this week is can we get enough pressure with it? Because if you're not going to get pressure with it, he's going literally going to pick us apart. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. If you can't get pressure with your down lineman, you're going to get picked apart. So we got to keep the guys on the field and get enough pass rush. We can't be subbing. We can't, you know, try to trick people by dropping our our best defensive lineman in the coverage. To me, that's never a good idea. The best defensive lineman that can rush the passer, let them do what they do. Having said that, 
we do need to have more speed on the field to be able to cover because they've got guys outside that can make plays. So uh, I, I think we're aligned for it. I think the three down lineman is, is a perfect fit for this week. Having said that, we got to let our players do what they do best. So if that's rush the passer, let them rush the passer. If that getting the coverage, let them get in the coverage. Well, we have to do those things because this quarterback, he's, he's really, really good. What's interesting to me is they are so clearly a pass-first offense that their leading rusher this season is Tua Toa. Only seven letters, Brian. I can barely say it. Uh, 19 attempts and 140 yards through two games. That's their leading rusher. That's how committed they right. are to throwing the ball. I feel like if you just stop that run, you get him into third and mid-distance, long distance, you're going to really put a lot of pressure on him with this speed rush. And, and K-State showed how effective it can be at the in the later stages of the Southern Illinois game. Well, it's like going back to the old Texas Tech days, you know, when with Mike Leach is that they would throw it and throw it and throw it. And then just when you didn't say they were going to throw it again, they would run it and pop a run for 15, 20 yards, you know, and then throw it and throw it and throw it. And then another one. So you it's not that they're going to run it a lot. They can be efficient with it so we have to be ready to play when they do do that having said that it, i think it's just this is going to be a, a defensive lineman's game you got to get after the quarterback yeah. because if you don't get back after the quarterback then they're going to be able to do whatever they want to do i get yes we have to cover the guys i, I mean you do you got to cover the guys but having said that you got to be able to get after the quarterback without blitzing Without blitzing, if you can get after the quarterback without blitzing and keep the guys in coverage, we're going to be okay. If we're having to bring linebackers or bring safeties or corner, that's good every once in a while, but you don't want to try to make a living on that because quarterback this good is going to see it and going to be able to beat it. And so we we just got to be able to get after the quarterback with with our front four or front three, whichever we're going to do. Yeah, it uh, it's an intriguing matchup and and. I think this is the best team in the non-conference schedule. Even though Stanford went to USC and won, I like this Nevada team quite a bit, and this is a huge game for them. You know, they kind of got left out of realignment and expansion. I think they've got a statement to make. I am fired up for this game, not as a fan, but as an observer of college football. I'm just... I'm really intrigued by what's going to happen in this game, because I have no idea. I mean, it's it's interesting because, I mean, you just don't know what, what our quarterback situation is going to be. Right. You don't know, you know, what, how he's going to play. He could come out and be gangbusters, which I hope that he does. Uh, I think that he's going to be way more consistent than what he was. You know, I think last game he just, get, just got rattled. Just got rattled yep. early and, and couldn't get out of it. You know what? Give the kid a pass. You know, let, let him come back. Let him get a week of practice under his belt. Understanding you're the guy. This is what we need you to do. Let's go out there and do it. And to be able to run the football with what we have, I think that's going to be a lot, uh, a lot to say. Having said that, defense, we gotta, we gotta play. I mean, it's just what you said. This is the best non-conference team that we're playing this year, and they're also going to be better than some of the big. Well, a KU. Let's not really count them, but they're going to be better than some of the conference teams that we play as well. So this is a huge game, and I like what you said early, Tim. We gotta get over the hump. 
and winning these first three games, that, that's going to get us to, to, to try to get over the hump. We got to, this is a year that we need to progress as a program. And this game is going to get us to that progression or could get us to that progression. If we lose this game, we're, I, in my opinion, we're taking a step backwards. And that's not a good thing. Will K-State win this game? I think so, because I think we'll control the clock. I think we'll run it. The time of possession will be hugely on our side. And I think we're going to have enough on defense to confuse them and get after the quarterback. If they allow us to get after the guys to get after the quarterback, I think that's what's going to do. I think we win because we just out-physical them on our offensive side of the ball. Well, I appreciate it, sir. We will reconvene on Sunday to talk about the game that transpired on Saturday at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm hoping it's a good day for football at Kansas State. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Brian Hanley. And on the other side of the break, we've got Ryan Gilbert standing by to talk about the odds of this game. Kansas State opened as a two-point underdog to a Mountain West team on K-State's home field. I got thoughts. Ryan Gilbert's got thoughts. We'll break down this game and so much more from the Big 12. But right after this break, we will catch up to Kansas State defensive end Felix Anudike, who had a huge game with two forced fumbles and three sacks against the Salukis last week at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. This is the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast. Two segments down, one to go, and we're going to start this one off with our interview segment. And this week on board, I spoke with Kansas State sophomore defensive end, although technically he could be a freshman and get that season back due to the pandemic, Felix Anudike. He had a huge game against Southern Illinois, came to the rescue in many ways of Kansas State. Three sacks, two forced fumbles in that second half. He was stellar. And let's dive right in. I started off with his overall evaluation of the defense against Southern Illinois. The defense was, I'll say, all right. There's still a lot of stuff that we need to work on, like our technique-wise and um, basically like all the things we worked on during that game. But um, overall, I think it was an okay performance in our defense. How important was what the defense did in the second half? Here's what he said. Um, the defense second half was amazing, but first half, we need to get those jitters out. That's basically um, what we need to work on coming to the next game. Kansas State faced a situation that all defenses go through at some point last Saturday, and that was quick change. That sudden change after a turnover and you're put back on the field, 
And this is what he thought of how K-State's defense performed in that situation against SIU. We got to handle that even better. Like, for the game, we weren't really locked in. We were just like, oh, my gosh, because going Skyler coming down, we, we weren't locked in the first half. We were just, like, too worried, like, too scared and stuff like that. But then coming in the second half, we were just like, okay, um, we need to work on our sudden change. So every sudden change we have, we need to uh, attack it like how we did in Stanford and stuff like that. Felix is a rush end. He's a disruptor, and this week he goes against one of the best passing quarterbacks in all of college football in Nevada's Carson Strong. How excited is he to play against a quarterback of that stature? Um, it's pretty exciting because he's a drop-back passer. We haven't went against drop-back passers in, uh, in the last two games, and we had a, a lot of sacks uh, defensively def- on our defensive line lately. So it should be it should be a really fun game, and we're going to be going after the quarterback. And finally, I ask him how big of a challenge the Wolfpack will present for this defense. It's going to be a huge challenge because they like slinging the ball, so it's going to be a huge challenge. And they do a lot of things uh, on their offensive front that is different than what I've been experiencing before. So we're going to attack it in practice, and we're going to see how it's going to go. And now let's start to wrap up this edition of the Powercat pregame podcast by bringing in our odds and gambling expert, Mr. Ryan Gilbert. Ryan, I just made you an expert. You are, without a doubt, one of the foremost experts on college football odds and gambling within 30 square feet of my home. Thank you. Laid the groundwork there. Uh, You're really big in this area of town. So many games. So where do we want to start here? Uh, Let's start with KU Baylor because it is a conference game, and that's kind of fun. Baylor opened at 14-point favorite. They moved to 18-point favorite. I don't know what – I'm not sure people know what to do with this game. But they have decided they don't like KU. I do. You think KU covers? I do, yeah. I mean, Jason Bean, I think he's a legitimate quarterback that can compete in this league. You agree with that? What I like about him, if you're a KU person, is he has that ability to tuck the ball and take off. Mm-hmm. And keep a drive alive or get into the end zone at a moment's notice. Now, the temptation that they're going to face is to run him a lot. And when a game's on the line, because I've seen this with K-State, game's on the line, you got a quarterback that's dynamic, you run him a little bit too much, and lo and behold, he gets dinged up. Mm. We know a little bit about quarterback injuries around here. (laughs) So you think KU covers... I do. I will go with Baylor on this. I think... uh, All right. How much are we we betting on this? Uh, We're going to bet one million... uh, Thoughts. Just going to think about it a lot. Virginia Tech is at West Virginia. West Virginia is a three-point favorite. I'm not. I have no gut feeling on this game. I can't figure out the Mountaineers. Yeah, it's tough because West Virginia does have something to prove after that loss to Maryland in Week One. Mm-hmm. But Virginia Tech's already beaten North Carolina. They were a top ten team at the time, I think. And I think this line should be the opposite. I think Virginia Tech should be favored, but. Right line, with wrong points. team. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to go with Virginia Tech just because of the points. But like you said, it's it's a tough feel. I'm with you on that. Iowa State uh, fans get my dream trip. This is not fair. <laughs> the, it's not like someone in the conference is going on this trip. It's Iowa State, man. They're going to UNLV this weekend. I'm told upwards of 40,000 Iowa State fans will be on the strip for this game. What a cultural clash that is. Bush light being chugged. In Las Vegas. And Iowa State coming off a mediocre performance against Northern Iowa and a bad losing home performance against Iowa is a 30-point favorite. I don't think UNLV is very good, but I'm going to take them. Correct. Yeah. I mean, Iowa State hasn't given us any reason to believe they can cover this. 
Well, and on top Except of that, preseason hype. Brock Purdy stunk it up last mm-hmm. week. Yeah. I, maybe he will bounce back and prove something, but I've never liked his inconsistent nature. Unfortunately, K State got to see the good version of him last year, but uh, he's just too up and down for me. I don't. I wouldn't trust him as my quarterback. Uh, possibly a future Big 12 game on down the line if they get the invite. Oklahoma State goes to Boise this weekend. Uh, lovely time of year to visit Idaho, may I add. And Boise is a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I have not been impressed by Oklahoma State either. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts? Same thing with, with Iowa State. They haven't given us any reason to believe they can cover. I mean, they looked really bad against Missouri State, and they barely squeaked by Tulsa. So those are two games that should be blowouts, and now you're playing a a mid-major should be maybe a Power 5 team in the future, like you said. I'm going to go with the glorified Juco here. The glorified Juco <laughs> that has a blue field on which it plays. The Broncos to win, I agree with you. I think they're going to win this. I might take OSU on the points, though, because that way if OSU wins or loses by four or less, I'm, I'm in. I will take Oklahoma State, but I think Boise wins this. Okay. I Remind me to put that on my DVR. I will. I really need to. Watch that. Uh, Florida International at Texas Tech. And um, people don't know this about Lubbock, Texas. It is known as the beach school of the Big 12, mostly because there's a lot of sand. But there's not really an ocean. So Florida (laughs) International should feel right at home. But they are a 20-point dog, and I will go with Tech. I'll be. I'm going to go with Florida International. To cover. And yeah, you know this Tech team barely beat Stephen F. Austin last week, and I mean they beat Houston in Week One, but even that game was a little inflated when you look at the final score. So I like FIU. I guess they're playing at home according to Fitz. So I'll, I'll roll with them to cover. <laughs> Rice in Texas, an old Southwest Conference game. Texas looked so good last week against Arkansas. They look like a finely oiled <laughs> machine. Rice stinks. But I find it hard to believe they're a 26-point underdog stinking. But maybe everyone's just thinking Texas is going to come out with their hair on fire and blow them out. Well, they'll have a new quarterback in starting this week, so could go either way. I like Texas, though, to blow them out. Yeah, I mean, I, this game, this this Rice team's giving up 41 points a game. Give me Texas. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's, it's not good. There's not your good. expert analysis, yeah, right? That's not good. And then uh, make that time machine out of a DeLorean. We're going back to the 80s. We got Oklahoma and Nebraska this weekend. The game Scott Frost wanted to run from because, you know, he, he takes on all challenges. <laughs> Nebraska's a 22-point underdog. I mean, this is going to be an Oklahoma win. That's a lot of points, but I still feel like Oklahoma's going to cover that. I feel like they've got something to say here. Yeah, I think it should be a lot higher, like 27, 28 points. I think the only thing keeping this somewhat close is the name on the front of the jersey for Nebraska. Just that brand name is going to get a lot of betters on the Huskers. But I like Oklahoma here. Uh, yeah, both teams do kind of want to prove something. But when Oklahoma's playing their hardest, I think that they'll win by more than three touchdowns. Yeah, I'm, I don't blame Scott Frost for trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's funny. Is this it's at 11 a.m., right? And Oklahoma's all upset about that. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they got put at 11 a.m. So they quit the conference. <laughs> Literally. And they and they went to a conference completely controlled by the network that they're mad at. Mm-hmm. Figured that one out. Yeah. But figure this one out. Nevada comes to Manhattan, Kansas as a two-point favorite over the Wildcats. And that line hasn't moved. Mm-hmm. So that means the betters are like, yeah, that might be right. What do you think? 
This one's tough. You know, coming into the season, I was probably going to, you know, bet on Nevada because I was assuming K-State would be favored by at least a touchdown, you know, mm-hmm. against a, an opponent like that. But people are doing their research and they know Nevada's a good team. And obviously without Skyler, that's that's tough. So I like K-State to cover. I think the inner fan in me is coming out here and just wanting them to cover. But the, my play here would be the under 15 and a half for the total points. Oh, very interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That's that's a good call. But if I had a gun in my head, I'd pick K-State. I feel the same way. I think K-State would be better off with Skylar Thompson, but because they lack their star quarterback or their starting quarterback, they will be highly motivated in other areas. And you're not alone. I'm really shocked that all of us on the show, Brian Hanley and Ryan Wallace, also took Kansas State. Mm-hmm. So there's a undertow of optimism among us, at least. I don't feel great about my pick, but yeah. I'm going to go with the Wildcats. I don't feel great, but if if their defense plays the way they have the last two games, I mean, zero points allowed with, with Green, right, when he's actually playing. Yeah, so. yeah if he plays the whole game, Nevada <laughs> won't score. Exactly. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> how is our picks going on the website? We make weekly picks over at gopowercat.com. Mm-hmm. We pick the K-State game. We pick one other game of our choice. Like, everyone gets to choose a game. It's like, if you go to the window, I'm going to bet on K-State, and I can't remember what I picked this week, but... Um, you just texted it to me. <laughs> that's how much thought I put into it. What game did I pick? Because it was a it was a minus two at home. BYU. Well, that's right. Arizona State, a two point favorite at BYU. BYU's coming off the big win over Utah. They beat in Arizona. They can go three and zero against the Pac twelve. I picked BYU. Who's leading our picks right now? Because it's the staff and one guest, if I understand. Correctly. Speak of the devil. That one guest, oh, man. Dr. Dan Keister, my favorite professor at K-State. Mm. Three and one, you, Wally, Riley, Cole, and Wabash Station are at 500. I'm at six and eight, so nobody listened to me. Zach and Go-Go are at one and three. Well, we all probably missed K-State last weekend. I I picked Southern Illinois. To cover? Boom. Did, yeah. did Keister pick K-State K- not to cover? Is that yeah, I think it was me, Keister, and Riley. I'd have to double check that. You, but You guys. Yeah. That's it for our gambling segment as we prepare you for Kansas State, Nevada. Do you say Nevada or Nevada? Nevada. I know. And I've said it both ways this show just to show that I'm nimble. Is it based off of this wall or Hanley switch it up? I don't know. I don't listen to what my guests say. (laughs) I find that to be troubling. Nevada, Nevada, whatever. They are a two-point favorite coming in. 1 p.m. kick, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. And, of course, the game is on the K-State Network which is also known as Big 12 Now at ESPN+. Plus, So the game is streaming once again this weekend. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Appreciate it very much. And that will do it for this edition of the Powercat Pregame Podcast. I hope we got you prepared for Kansas State and Nevada, Nevada, whatever it is, at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, 1 p.m. kickoff. And we have been presented by Robbins Motor Company. They strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat Pregame Podcast podcast. You can find my actual score prediction and my keys to the game at gopowercat.com leading up to the game, but you have to be a subscriber. If you're not subscribing to gopowercat.com, it's probably time you did. Go ahead and click that green join button at the top of the page and become part of the GPC VIP family. Not as easy to say as you might think. And remember, we do a lot of free coverage. If you're not ready to subscribe or you can't, Most of our coverage is free, 
The best stuff is reserved for our VIPs. Check out our daily deliveries, almost daily, as I share my opinions in video format about the Big 12 and Kansas State and college sports in general. You can subscribe to that at our YouTube channel, Go Powercat. And one more thing, make sure you come back for our game review podcast on Mondays at Go Powercat. And of course, don't miss my post-game walk and talk, a quick video in which I discuss what just happened in the game and the post-game press conference. We appreciate you listening to the Powercat pregame podcast. And of course, thank you so much to Robin's Motor Company, I Am Fitz. And we hope you have fun either watching in person or on TV. The Wolfpack and the Wildcats. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com.